Hey there, you're listening to 42 Slash, a podcast about B2B marketing. In this episode, we talk with Andrew Alsop, founder of Wunderkind Agency. We talk about what it takes to grow a SaaS business. We discuss old playbooks, the SEO, HubSpot strategy, as well as ABM, among other topics. Check it out. And if you like it, please reach out to us. So basically, my premise is that the reason that we ran lead gen ads to lead lead gen magnets was to create a contact in the CRM. Mm-hmm. And the, the contact when it's created, you know, like in the example that I gave, the, the lead magnet that the prospect's downloading has nothing to do with the end solution. It's obviously in the same sort of area, you know, maybe someone's like problem aware if they're downloading something and or, or that kind of thing. But they're not sales ready. So it's just yeah, a contact. Was about, What's the that, was about like some, like it wasn't related to the product. It was like how to do better podcast. It wasn't about Zencaster. Is that, is that sort of what you, what you say? Exactly. Yeah. So it's in the same area, but it, it doesn't really directly relate to the product. Um, so all that it's doing is essentially creating the lead in the CRM, which is fine. You know, it's good to have leads in your CRM of your target market. But if the objective is to, is to get leads into your CRM that aren't sales ready, then why not just use a lead gen tool like Cognizant or ZoomInfo that has all of that contact information that's verified and that is ready to go, that is filterable, that is you know, significantly more efficient cost-wise than, yeah. than running a lead gen campaign. Yeah. What is the benefit of running a lead gen ad nowadays when those sorts of tools exist. Yeah. And my mind isn't, isn't set. I know I tweeted it, but as, as no, I've no, said no. before, my mind, like, I'm, it's good again, to... I'm not, I have, uh, so when you tweeted it, the first thing that came to my mind is HubSpot made this really popular with the inbound model where they're like, create content that your target market wants to consume. And like HubSpot did this for 10 years very successfully. They built their entire business off of it. They have a ton of gated assets and checklists and ebooks and like you know all that stuff and they they built an entire business on top of it i remember doing this in 20 like five six years ago where i won't name the company but like all we did was we syndicated content out to third-party websites like netline demand works whatever and people would download the content we would nurture that maybe even not nurture that lead maybe not even like send them marketing emails or tell them about who we are. We just throw them straight to sales and they would close at a pretty mm-hmm. high rate and it would work. I don't think that model works right now, mm-hmm. especially if you're selling to other marketers because we're so hyper aware of what's going on. So like, I think there's what, where my head went was like, one, this is like the inbound playbook that HubSpot has popularized, right? And HubSpot always said inbound is good, outbound is bad. And what you're saying with Zoom Info stuff, that's outbound and that's bad. And what you're doing with the lead gen magnet is good because that's inbound and you're attracting people. You know, you know what I'm mean. like. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying either is good or bad. I'm not passing judgment on either model. I'm just saying that's that's where a lot of ten past ten years of stuff, like I don't know, ten years, whatever X time frame of stuff has like that's been sort of hammered into our heads by HubSpot and like the inbound model. And I think the same goes for SEO to a certain degree, right? Like SEO is essentially that, like you, 
your process and jump in anytime you disagree. Like I don't want to be, I don't want to be talking to myself, but like SEO is essentially the same thing where you're trying to, to rank for a very hyper-specific high intent product term. It's very hard, mm-hmm. but you sort of go a bit up, you know, what do you call it? A level above that. And you're like, Oh, yeah. you know, people might be searching for how to create a podcast. I want to like show myself up in that list. Maybe yeah. they sign up for my newsletter and then I can send them a bunch of emails and eventually convince them to buy my product or something. Yeah, I think the way I see it is that we, as marketers, we've sort of lost touch a little bit of what we're trying to achieve and we become more tied to getting the outcome that is expected of that tactic than we are of getting the business outcome that we can initially say, say in a different way like can you can you unpack that a little bit so the reason we the reason that lead gen through lead magnets works so well is that it was relatively cheap to generate mm-hmm. leads that way it wasn't saturated they yeah. went they you know they did close at a pretty high rate because it was a um you know, people, people download an asset they found valuable, they read that, that asset and then they become indoctrinated on the solution that, that yep. people were yep. selling. Yep. Um, but that's become less and less, you know, like that's less and less the case now. I don't like, I don't feel that people, I, I don't see good open rates on even on the asset, even on the asset delivery. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm, you know, maybe this is just the campaigns I'm working on, but um, I don't even see good open rates on the asset delivery. On the asset delivery, you used to see like 80% plus. And, and I know that open rates are even more difficult to track now. But if the open rates are that low, the people are actually opening the asset. And then to get the sort of impression that you need in terms of the impression of you making an impression on a prospect in terms of they then becoming indoctrinated on what you're selling and, and, and understanding what you do so that when they come to buy, they know, they know who to go to, to do that. They've got to go through a process of downloading it, opening it, reading it. And that's expensive. I mean, just generating the lead itself is expensive nowadays. Mm -hmm. Generating a lead that opens it makes it even more expensive. Generating a lead that opens the email that downloads the asset that reads it is really, really expensive. And ultimately what we're trying to achieve here. We don't care about them getting a PDF. We don't really care about them being in the CRM. We're just trying to sell to someone. We're trying to get our message in front of someone and tell tell them why we're compelling reason to buy. And that's ultimately what we're trying to achieve from that. And we could do that efficiently when it was cheap and when it was effective. I just don't think that the cost of running that kind of lead gen campaign nowadays, especially when there's much more rich media solutions, rich like media units you can buy now that which are rich media. So, um, yeah. you know, video is fairly new. For example. I, I don't, I don't disagree at all. The only pushback I would have is when my, if I need predictable revenue and I need to build a model of if I get X many people, ten percent will convert to opportunities or something. You need some degree of predictability, and I think there's still an advantage of. I know it's expensive, so like there's two th- there's. And this has been top of mind for me because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, we download, people download an asset and they're, oh, we send them to sales and sales say it's not qualified, but they, in our book, they're MQLs. And I'm like, why are they MQLs in the first place if they're not qualified? Yeah. <laughs> One, like there's two, sorry, I'm just like combining two things together, but it's sort of like, I feel like it's related where 
I think one, there's an advantage to having somebody who's from your target market is a buyer, but not ready to buy yet. You have their email address. That's like, I think that's valuable to a certain degree because you have that one-on-one, you can build that one-to-one relationship with them. And mm-hmm. you know you know who that person is and like you can target them to custom audiences, you can do emails, you can do whatever. I think that's why for sure the price has gone up, for sure it's more competitive now. Totally agree there. But secondly, if I'm like if somebody if my CFO comes to me and he's like, Okay, my target for the for the quarter is a million dollars in pipeline, I have to show a predictable way of getting there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where these traditional methods, traditional methods come into play where I can say if I can, like, you could make the argument that I can just go into ZoomInfo and, like, buy a bunch of leads and, mm-hmm. like, send them sales emails, 100%. You can totally do that. But on top of that, why not do, like, what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be one or the other. You could do, you could run a play of doing the leads and ads or whatever campaigns and getting them to, like, interact with your brand and getting them to, like, re- download the assets or whatever. I don't care, whatever whatever the offer is. And on the parallel side, you can also do that other zoom info stuff. But the zoom info stuff, they're going to be cold versus warm. So, like, I think that's you might get more better results with somebody who's already, to a certain degree, seen your brand around a couple of places and they decided to like download something. There must yeah. be a reason why they did that. Yeah. Versus if you buy it straight from zoom info, you're probably going to get like a one percent response rate on that. So that's- what? Yeah. When I'm speaking about zoom info and cognizant, I'm not necessarily advocating for a cold outbound approach i think that what is valuable is having a list of prospects within your market yeah whether they're ready to buy whether they are warm to you or not and the if you if you're like mid-market upwards the amount of accounts and Oh, they get significantly lower. Yeah. Yeah. So there's not going to be more than a hundred thousand for, no, for most organizations. Yeah. So you're you're probably going to be able to go out and get the information of those organizations without having to rely on those opting in. So yeah. if yeah. I, for example, I, th- I think this is looking at it purely from a from a perspective of running cold ads to a lead gen campaign. Right. If I'm, for example, building a cold ads audience on LinkedIn, run an ebook to them, and I'm using LinkedIn's targeting criteria, why would I not just, um, you know, get all of those contacts that I was going to target anyway from Zoom Info, and rather than running a lead gen ad to them, just run a video ad in the feed where they could get it. I don't disagree with that. And I think yeah. that's more of the account-based player where you know which market you're going after. You're like, okay, these are my 100 accounts that I'm going after. I'm just going to target those accounts specifically. Mm-hmm. But if your market is a little bit wider than that, if you're more lower mid-market SMB, then I think that's where the traditional, in like, I think that's where the dividing, I think we are, we're seeing the same stuff. We might just be talking about different segments. Like when, when your SMB slash lower mid-market and your market is much more wider than that than the Mm -hmm. broader linkedin targeting facebook targeting based on interests and skills and job titles or whatever that could work well because the market is big enough where you can get in front of all these people Mm -hmm. and buying that list from zoom info might not be realistic yeah yeah. but if you're like selling to fortune 500 but you should not be running like like that like you know just the broad targeting just like trying to hit everybody because you're trying to hit a very specific kind of persona and you already know who you're trying to hit then I 100% agree. Actually, I I think 
in that case, it's more valuable to get your brand in front of them through a video or some multimedia, like something. Yeah, and yeah. It's much cheaper to get a view through on LinkedIn than to get a click on LinkedIn. So like, I would rather have them like watch 70% of my video versus paying 500 bucks for them to download an ebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, totally, uh, I, totally, I totally get that, yes. Yeah, and I think it's just a sort of shift in, you know, everybody's default, the sort of default view is to go, you know, go through the funnel, awareness ads, lead gen, opportunity generation. That is that is the sort of tried and true method. But I think there's there's just a lot of shifts recently. Like it's so much easier to build that list of people now. Even if you're not using Zooming for Cognizant, you know, it's it's pretty easy to hire someone up, but give them a sales navigator list and they'll return yeah, yeah, yeah. a list of things. And then the amount of money that you'd spend on lead gen, getting like, and you know, again, maybe this is me as a bad marketer, but the lead gen campaigns I tend to run now, the quality of the leads that come through is very iffy. So like the CPL really? is a lot higher. The quality is a lot lower. Yeah. If instead of starting with a cold audience where it's, I've, I, I've got no sort of, yes, fair enough, my ad is getting in front of these people. You know, there's probably the coverage of the people that I want to see the ad. They're probably seeing it. But because my objective is the cost per lead, my CPMs are going to be higher. So the maximum amount of people that I want to see it are probably not seeing it. Yeah, yeah. If instead of saying, I, I know, I'm just going to, you know, spend a load of money, get a CPL that's decided by, um, you know, an ad platform and a comp- competition on the ad platform. If, if instead of spending that money there, you know, creating the lead gen asset, yeah. driving qualified leads is going to be really expensive. Why don't I just get a list of qualified targets and create something that is super, super valuable, super differentiated? Maybe it is, maybe your target market is into golf. Maybe you get a sponsorship that, of the Ryder Cup. That's <laughs> like, that to me is like an ABM play. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So, and the only difference is that when you're doing that kind of stuff, you need to have sales calling those people at some point. Otherwise, you can't just expect them to wake up one day and buy your solution. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's where people, that's where I'm like, I'm a bit, I get lost is like, if you're running these kind of campaigns, are you just expecting them to like see a bunch of your videos and then one day show up and buy your solution? I don't think that's going to happen. I think you sort of still need to sell to them. Yeah. And get them to have that conversation with you. You're like, oh, what are you, what, like, this is what we do. How can we help you solve these problems that I know you're having? Because, you know, I think that's where, like a lot of people are right now, like podcasts have become the new blogs and everybody's doing a fucking podcast now. And I'm like, sure, do a podcast. That's totally fine. But that's not going to bring you rev. Like if your sales target for the month is to generate a million dollars in pipeline, doing a podcast is not going to get you a million dollars in pipeline. <laughs> yeah. And at the end of the day, like I think what we're talking about is like what you're saying totally makes sense for more of an ABM approach where you know the set of accounts and you know who your buyers are and there, there's a finite number of them. And then you're like, oh, these people, let's throw an event, invite them to the event. Let's run some targeted ads. Let's send them some cupcakes, 100%. Like that's that's what the ABM stuff that I usually tell people to do. That's, But if you're like mid-market SMB and your market is like, I don't know, your time is like a million businesses, it's very hard to do that realistically because there's no common denominator where you can slice and like, it's very hard to segment, you know, it's very hard to say these million people are like golf and we're going to sponsor yeah. golf moment. Yeah, yeah. that's where I think you can do the multiple offers and different things on the lead gen and the inbound stuff. Like, I think I, I, I agree with that. The only thing is like, 
if you're doing that ABM running, like sponsoring a golf tournament, fantastic, but you still need to somehow sell to them. And to sell to them, you need to get their contact information. So like if you're running a golf tournament, you're going to sponsor the event, get a list of attendees. And essentially those are going to be like emails in your CRM that you can then run through your sales process. So I think like the outcome for, the outcome is like getting that qualified person's name and information into your CRM. How you go about it is different. Mm-hmm. But I think at the end of the day, the idea is still the same, I'm guessing. Like, I guess my problem is that if if I know I'm selling to Fortune 500, I can run video ads for them and I can get all the video impressions I need, but it's not going to help me convert that into pipeline. So somebody needs to go in and call them or like mm-hmm. send them emails and say, hey, this is like, that's, that's where I'm sort of coming from. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if... I guess what what I'm just trying to advocate is less of a resource. The, I think the, the way the dynamics of the market are working at the moment, I think that we've gone away from favoring a allocation towards that lead generation area and towards that sort of mid area of the funnel. I don't mm-hmm. think that's where... The money is right now the money is at the bottom of the funnel capturing people who are already in the market yeah and at the top of the funnel getting in front of people that are in the market but aren't necessarily in the sales cycle and targeting them with relatively cheap impressions having a differentiated message having a super strong idea of what your strongest segments are yeah there's there's a like you'll probably be able to identify Anyone like the majority of people in B two B that are that are selling anything in the like five thousands, five thousand dollar upwards ACV range, they're probably going to be able to identify eighty percent of the people that will make up their revenue, the majority yeah. of their revenue. But I would still say that why not do like what I'm, what we're trying to do, what we've been doing now is running video impression reach ads on the front end. Mm-hmm. Then we run some light lead gen or some content or like demo content sign up free trial that mixed into it so like we remarket off that audience plus we like so we sort of get in front of the cold audience get them familiar with the brand and hopefully the conversion rates uh the cost goes down because they're more likely to convert when they see that other ad yeah so I'm, like i guess yeah, yeah yeah you know what i mean so i don't like i totally agree with you that the money like i always say start with the bottom of the funnel stuff because there's people are already in market for a solution so like do search and do whatever yeah and like get them to convert because they already like searching for this and you can, it's easier to convince somebody to buy something when they're already searching for a solution. But then I think, I don't think you should ignore the mid funnel because those people are like considering different solutions, maybe thinking about something. Yeah. I think that like, that's where I would disagree with you is like, you, you sort of have to, you can, you're going to exhaust the bottom of the, like there's a finite subset of people who are in the market for a solution right now, but there's a whole, you know, so people who you can possibly market to. Yeah. A lot of people will like focus on that small piece, but not think about how to bring those other people who are not in market into that buying cycle. Maybe, maybe what it is, I would have traditionally, I would have said bottom of funnel first, people in market, Google ads, conversion rate optimization, review sites, that kind of thing. Then the next step would be to focus on lead gen, get people who are problem aware into CRM. And then after that, I would have then said, focus on awareness. Mm -hmm. 
But where I now would recommend is bottom of funnels. That's not changed. That still exists. You would be stupid not to focus on the things that's going to drive you the, the quickest amount of revenue in the shortest time period. But where I think my thinking has changed now is I wouldn't recommend that mid-market stuff, that, that middle of funnel stuff. Yeah. I would go, I'd skip that for now, go straight to the top of funnel stuff because I should have a really strong idea of who my segments are. And I think that is how, especially in this sort of, sort of like post, post iOS 14 world, yeah. post iOS 15 world, I think that this is where all the value is going to be. And maybe it's just a case yeah. of yeah. a readjustment of where we allocate budget, where the biggest yeah. opportunity like, is. To be honest with you, like mid and top funnel, like we as marketers, we make this shit up. So it doesn't mean anything to normal. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Yeah. They feel like they kind of like blend it together to a certain degree. It's very hard to like decisively diff- like. The buyers, you can you can definitely say, oh, these are the channels they would be hanging out. But I think the, I think to your point, the mid and bottom is sort of a fuzzy thing where it's a lot of people who might be in one part or the other, but it's hard to like have a hard line between the two. Mm-hmm. And one interesting thing that I've been thinking about is, and this is like sort of related, but not really related, but like there's this obsession with third-party intent data these days, and I've used a bunch yeah. of these tools, and they they don't. Re- for me, they haven't worked so far. Yeah. Well, not me personally, but for the customers we work with. And one thing that somebody said to me is like, why not treat somebody downloading an asset or something, taking an action that is not requesting a demo or talking to sales, you know, that bottom of other, why don't you treat that as first party intent? Because to a certain degree, they're showing intent of being interested in what you're selling or being interested in solving the problem you're trying to solve. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like, Treating that content download or lead gen piece as more of a first party intent versus like, oh, throw this. Like, I definitely don't think you should be throwing those people over to sales because they're not ready to buy. But also treating that as an intent signal versus like, you know, everybody, like, you know what? I'm, 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 I haven't fleshed this out yet. Yeah, yeah, just, yeah. So it, what are your thoughts? How, how, how would you position a, a lead gen magnet to contribute the best towards that intent piece? So I would say like if somebody, if you created a lead gen magnet that is talking about a specific problem that the that the customer faces, but it's not really pointed towards the solution, it's just talking about the broader problem, then that's like, if somebody downloads that, that's a signal of intent that they have that problem they're looking to solve it, but they haven't figured out how to solve it. They haven't picked a solution on how to solve it. And I guess it goes into the same argument but like it's just a different way of looking at like you know what it, like it's almost like instead of looking at it as a lead that you can sell to it's like a signal that they're in market for something and now you can use different type of things to like drive them further down i guess it's the same playbook at the end of the day so i don't i don't know if it matters or not but it's just a way of like i've been thinking about it in a different way and i'm just trying to i haven't like thought this through at all yeah like instead of relying so heavily on third-party intent where they might be browsing some random website where a keyword shows up and Bombora is like, oh yeah, they have intent to buy your ERP solution. Why not treat this as a first-party intent piece? You know yeah, what yeah. I mean? It's like, yeah. This. I think a lot of times with technology solutions is that um, 
the solution did like defines the strategy so this whole thing around third-party intent data and, and abm to a degree it's like the fundamentals of them are really strong so having a really strong idea of who your segments are you know reaching yeah. out to them directly engaging engaging with them in like in, in different ways that that fundamentally is hard to argue with um you don't necessarily need technology to do that it's the same no. with intent it's, it's the concept yeah. of intent is powerful yeah, and if you can make intent some part of your strategy, then undoubtedly you will do better than just going to someone that's cold. Do you necessarily yeah. need to employ a tool to do that? I think again, I think as marketers, and I mean, I find myself especially guilty of this: is we do, we we sort of see like tools as solutions to all of our problems. Yeah, uh, and eventually, no, any sort of tool becomes. Just contributes to, contributes towards the decline. It, it contributes towards the popularity, and then it contributes towards the, the you know the decline of the whole the whole strategy. So, yeah, and the key there yeah. is to is to just make sure that you're building your own framework around these fundamentals, and that's where you'll see a lot of success. Yeah, totally. And like to a certain degree, ABM is just good marketing because you're segmenting your market, right? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it blows my mind a little bit, ABM. Um, I'm sending my deck. I don't know. Did you see my deck? Like, I, I think you might. You might. Oh enjoy. yeah, 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 yeah. Your, your sweet thread. Yeah, yeah. The thread that you did about the deck. Yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. So like that. That was my like a lot of these vendors have invented ABM as a thing to sell more technology, but then they just good marketing. Like if you're selling to enterprise, you're already doing ABM to a certain degree. Yeah. It's it not is, a thing. Like it's not a. It's not a. Yeah. It is sort of like basic ma- marketing strategy, just productized. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, this this was good. I think we, I think we, even though we, we don't agree to disagree, but I, I <laughs> see what you're saying, and I, I think what what you were saying applies to like the upper mid market enterprise section where you have a defined market and you can just go to Zoom Info and say I want everybody who works in these companies or like yeah, yeah. I think the the mid funnel stuff could still potentially work if you're like lower mid market and SMB or yeah. whatever you want to call it because your market is wide enough that you don't really know who's in market, who's not, who, who am I selling to? And you're trying to just like, essentially you're trying to see who's, who's in market for the solution, who's thinking about, like, I think and that's where I think treating it as an intent piece rather than a, you know, a lead gen piece can yeah. make a difference to how you think about it. And is that, yeah, I guess ahead. it's, Again, it's focusing on the fundamentals of what we're trying to achieve. Like if if running a Legion ad to a cold audience will help it is the most effective way to help you fundamentally achieve what you're trying to achieve, then do that. Go, go do it. Like if yeah. you have a predictable way of converting them to customers, like if you're like, hey, somebody downloads a piece of content and they convert to ten percent to opportunity, go fucking do it. Like fantastic. Yeah. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. But if you do that and you see that you're not seeing that opportunity conversion rate, don't be pulled into this trap of that is the only way to do it. Oh, totally. I agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think that is it. Um, so, yeah. And, and like, I mean, like I, this idea is very undeveloped for me. I think the reason that this has become a bugbear for me is that, this is just a problem that I see across a lot of people. Yeah. And this is, I think a lot of things that I put out 
is just trying to challenge how people see things. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I guess just to finish on, if you were met with that same challenge, what would the what would be the things that you would suggest to to overcome that if my like for example if my cpa on a mid funnel piece is like really high and they're not converting high enough i would definitely ditch that and just go with un, like video or something else and then is do... this cpa in terms of qualified lead opportunity yeah. or cpa in terms of if my like my uh, my cost my cost per lead is low enough and they convert and even so I think I look at the economics of it. Like, for example, I did this, this was a while ago. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I was looking at this campaign and my CPA was really low. And even though the conversion to up was like bad compared mm-hmm. to benchmarks, because my front-end cost was so low, mm-hmm. my cost per opportunity was relatively low versus my other stuff that was more bottom-of-funnel stuff. Yeah. I could still scale up because my cost per lead was so low. I could even if one percent turn into opportunity, the cost per opportunity is reasonable enough that I could just push more people in and like at a reasonable rate convert them to opportunities, and the cost per opportunity was still like within reason. Yeah. Which is when I was doing the like uh, I'll call the bottom of funnel stuff. My cost per lead was so high, and the conversion to up was not high enough to justify that whole thing. Like people were booking meetings, they were not showing up to the meeting, they were not closing. Mm-hmm. whatever so i would look at that and if like to be honest with you like sometimes and i this sounds like really basic and stupid and i might be an idiot for saying this but like sometimes i just like run different offers to the same audience and i'm like somebody's ready to talk to sales they will fill out the form or they will sign up for a trial or they'll sign up for an account and they will do what i would need like but if part of that audience is not ready i'm gonna give them some other lighter offers where it's like sign up for a newsletter or download this one pager about how we blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And when they're ready, we have their email and we can send them a bunch of emails over a period of time to, just to stay top of mind. And eventually when they're ready, a mix of ads built custom audiences off that plus emails, we, we, we are top of mind for them for when they are ready to consider a solution. So like not, I, I also try not to over-engineer the funnel too much because sometimes we try to like over-engineer stuff and we're like, yeah. but it doesn't like, at the end of the day, it doesn't make sense to over-engineer this stuff to a certain yeah. degree. No, um, that was actually really interesting. So from a tactical level, are you putting, um, are you putting those two offers within the same same campaign or are you creating two campaigns with I the, do same two campaigns the same audience? I've done that. And then sort of let the algorithm. Let the algorithm decide who, who to show to what. Like, yeah. I always say Facebook and Google's algorithm is much, much smarter than I am. Yeah. Like, they have a 10 million signals of like browsing behavior and stuff. So like I was having this discussion with somebody and one of my customers and like, oh, we have this mid funnel report and they wrote a beautiful report on the state of like whatever their industry is. And they're like, we have this beautiful mid funnel report, but we don't want to take away from our bottom of funnel like demos and sales leads i'm like instead of us trying to over engineer this thing on like who is a bottom like which audience is bottom of funnel because essentially it's the same group of people mm-hmm. and we're trying to sub segment them based on our judgment why don't we throw this all and this was for display ads uh why don't we just throw it all into like like remarketing for example like we have a remarketing audience we have a remarketing ad running for like hey want to talk to sales talk to us now blah 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 
why don't we just throw this report ad in there too and let the algorithm sort itself out which ad to show to whom and let it optimize versus us trying to like say, oh, if they came from the pricing page, they should. Because then if you sub-segment it too much, the audiences get so small, your CPMs get really high and you, at the end of the day, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. So like yeah. your audience is the bigger the audience, better. And then you can throw multiple offers in there and let people self-select which offer they want to respond to. Yeah, no, I, I think um, you tweeted something recently about having a going to a broad audience or maybe it was something you dm me but i i've got i've had the same experience with a client um you know try to set up so you know some sort of smart funnels in facebook and then i had one that was just like you know everyone in the uk mm-hmm. and yeah everyone, the one, everyone in the uk by far performed the best uh again it, it was one of those like no zero targeting and just yeah yeah, it yeah. works well. I feel like that works well if your if your market is big enough, mm-hmm. and like if it's a super niche enterprise market, that shit's not gonna work because you have a very specific, you know. You have, yeah, I, I guess you need enough. Um, you need enough signal within the within the. Uh... Basically, yeah. And yeah. I, and that worked. I we were launching like an. I was working with a customer who was doing like SMB banking, business banking. Like an SMB business banking can be freelancers, can be e-commerce merchants, could be mom and pop shop, like. It's a huge, you know, and they're, they're all over Facebook. SMBs are all over. Like I always tell people, if you're selling to SMBs, do Facebook. Mm-hmm. And like we did, I did one with like, you know, different interest groups and retargeting and lookalikes and blah, blah, blah. And some third-party audiences pulled in from live ramp and blah, blah, blah. And then I did one, no targeting, just everybody in the US between these ages, just like run, let it run, let it rip. And the no targeting one, like far outperformed everything than the fancy targeting that I had in my yeah, own. Yeah different ad sets or different targeting and this and that and like it just it didn't work <laughs> yeah i think once you've hit that um critical mass of getting a sort of getting a response that then you know the ad, ad platform can then yeah the smart yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it's like uh like i think and this is a, sort of a sidebar but i think like people try to over engineer their ads too much or they're like like manual CPC and smart, like this kind of segmentation. I'm just like, let the ad platform sort it out. If you have enough signals, yes. the ad platform will get you much better results than you can think of. And I think the world is moving that way too, where the ad platforms are like taking away some of the manual controls from you because they know that they can do it better. So that is actually really interesting. At the moment, I've got a, I've got a client running and they're actually running mid funnel lead gen. <laughs> so we started off with a refresh account and um i set it up uh auto bidding auto bidding for max results and the cpms Is were it, a cpms uh, are outrageous it's spending a ton of money not getting any any kind of results putting a big cap on that bought the cpm down that bought the cost for clicking that sort of brought in some um uh, that started bringing in some leads and yeah. and it it's all good. And then it's coming towards the end of the month. There's some budget left. So I put up max budget, put it to um, maximum results. And the cost per lead, the CPM has gone through the roof. Cost per lead has gone down. The cost per lead is like halved over the last two days. Um, maximum. This is on LinkedIn or Facebook? On LinkedIn, yeah. Oh, so I think it is that case of one it, once it's got a little bit of data, so it can yeah. you know begin optimizing towards people actually. that. Yeah. Um, I had 
same experience. I usually, when I do like LinkedIn ads and I start off and I'm not getting results, I put manual bids and I just max out my manual bid to like, you know, they give you a range of like people are bringing. I'm just like, I want to max it out. Yeah, yeah. Just to get some conversions going. And then I had the same experience where like it had some 10 conversions or something. And then I put it on max, max, whatever, max results or whatever. And it just like sort of semi-stabilized at that degree. And I was like, it was working. Like, I don't know. I think it's what you said, like it has the signals. Once it gets yeah. those signals, it's just like easier for the algorithm to take over. Yeah. LinkedIn is a very funny beast. Like yes. LinkedIn's platform, very And on peculiar. Facebook, I had the opposite experience on Facebook. I tried cost cap. I tried bid caps. Everything went to shit and I put lowest cost automatic bidding and everything worked well. Yeah. Every time I've tried caps on Facebook, it's never worked. And I try like placements and stuff, it bombs. I do auto placements and I do lowest, like I think Facebook's ad, ad, like ad product is way, way advanced. Yeah. Yeah. I just always, like I used to try, like I was like creating two, three different campaigns to compare like cost cap versus bid cap versus lowest cap. I like lowest, lowest cost outperformed way, like everything else. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you just have to tinker with it. Like there, as much as you try to put a method to the madness, it is just, it does just come down to like checking it every day and making changes and, uh, yeah, and seeing yeah, how it goes. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah. Totally Facebook is outrageous. And I think the potential of LinkedIn, I, I, I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of it anyway. From a business point of view, there's nothing comes close. Yeah. Uh, it's just that it's cost prohibitive. Uh, but I mean, like, limited placements. But with, obviously, the Bing integration, um, sh- should hopefully, you know, br- bring in some I've more local placements. I haven't seen, I, I need to go, go to it again, but, like, I tried Bing a few times and it just, like, didn't work. I think it might just be the market that we're selling to who aren't using Bing. Like that's that's yeah. Probably. I think I'm speaking more in terms of like what could the what could the platform become with oh, Microsoft's yeah. network. I just don't think that's their focus, right? Like I think LinkedIn's. I don't think they have a PM on the ads product at all. Yeah. Like it's just somebody's part time job to run the ads product, and their focus is more on the recruitment recruiter side and the that side of things. Yeah. But LinkedIn, like if you like the first body. First party B2B data LinkedIn has, like nobody come like zoom in for and these guys don't even come close to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It'd be my dream for LinkedIn uh, for Facebook to purchase someone like Clearbit or Metadata and bring that sort of B2B level of targeting. I mean it'll probably do, probably I be do a use, uh, live ramp for that. I don't know if I ever told you about live ramp. No. They're like a data broker. So they're mostly B2C, but they have like the Bamboras and the Zoom infos and like B2B data providers too. And that's basically hashed audiences mm-hmm. that you can send to uh, LinkedIn, Facebook, or Google. And like they have some pretty decent B2B audiences. Let me. Nice. I kind of will, share more. I'll give that a shot. But that that's interesting. Like, and then the one thing. And this is unrelated, but super tactical. But the one thing when with Facebook, I find that a lot of people over index on like, hey, if you have a business email, Facebook won't match it. But if you have their cell phone number and geo geo information, Facebook can get a pretty decent match rate. So I think that's like that's the other thing. Like I I haven't I'm using Clearbit with one of my customers right now, but I'm just like super I'm super skeptical of these things, like mm-hmm. in terms of like the data quality and the match rates, like they promise a lot of like, oh, you can do get, get LinkedIn level B2B targeting on Facebook. And I'm just like, I don't know if I believe that for sure. Like, mm-hmm. 
even with Facebook's native stuff, you can get pretty close to what you need. If you're SMB, enterprise, no, like enterprise, you, you can't. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. Well, interesting chat, Camille. Yeah, this was great, man. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you liked it, tell someone about it.